we're going to carry on with our series of um, how to help new believers, or even those who are on the edge of becoming a Christian. So how can we help them to grow in their faith? How can we help to disciple them? So my subject today is forgiveness. And I'm going to speak about that initial forgiveness that we find when we first come to faith, when we first become become Christians, when we are converted, when we are born again. I want to talk about that initial faith and that initial knowing that we're forgiven of everything. And also I want to talk about that ongoing relationship with God throughout our Christian lives as we walk with him and we keep having to ask for forgiveness and receive forgiveness in order to maintain our walk with God. And then we know that those who are forgiven also forgive. And I want to, although it's a big subject, I just want to mention that ability to forgive others and the grace that we have to forgive others. So I wanted, uh, first of all, to um, tell two stories, which I seem to have forgotten my notes for. Okay, the first one is in John. And Jesus was in the temple. He was in the temple courts. He was teaching. And then the Pharisees came along and they brought with them a woman. And this woman was a sinner. She'd been caught in the act of adultery. I don't know where the man was, but the woman was here in front of them. And they said to Jesus, you know what Moses' law says? Moses' law says that we should stone this woman. And they weren't concerned about the woman at all. They were just trying to trick Jesus. That was the only thing. They were trying to give him a situation when he'd make a mistake. So if he said, um, no, she shouldn't be stoned, then they'd say, well, this is the law of Moses. If he says, yes, she should be stoned, then it was, they weren't allowed to kill people. It was under Roman law. They weren't allowed to bring about the death sentence. But Jesus didn't play their game. Jesus just started writing in the ground, and he said, let those of you who have no sin cast the first stone. And I just love to imagine the scene as they sort of gradually, one by one, starting with the oldest one, they silently just walked away. And I'm just so glad that they were able to feel some sense of the fact that they were sinners as well. Because they were there pointing the finger, but then they had to admit that they weren't without sin. There was only one person who was without sin, and that was Jesus. And he was the one who said, I don't condemn you. Go and don't sin anymore. He didn't say it's okay. He didn't doubt the fact that she'd committed a sin. But he said, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. And the other story that I want to bring comes from the Gospel of Luke. That's when Jesus was invited to a banquet. He was invited to the house of Simon the Pharisee. Um, it was a, a big banquet. They were reclining at the table. And then this woman comes in, this woman who was known to be a sinner. What's more, she had her hair loose. That was a disgrace to have her hair loose in the, in the company of men. And she, she came to Jesus and she wept over him. She wept over his feet. She washed his feet with her tears. She poured expensive perfume on his feet and she wiped them with her hair. And Simon the Pharisee, again, the Pharisee said, if he was really a prophet, he'd know who this woman was. He wouldn't let her touch him. Obviously, he, was become, he would become ceremonially unclean that this harlot, this woman of the street, was touching him, this woman who had her hair down, who was a disgrace. And Jesus obviously knew what this man was thinking and said, and gave the parable in a sense of saying, 
you know, the one who has been forgiven much loves much. The one who's been forgiven little loves little. That Simon hadn't shown him any special attention, but this woman had gone over and above in her heart of just love towards him. And he said to her, go in peace. Your faith has saved you. So it wasn't the fact that what she did, it wasn't her works that saved her. It was her faith in who Jesus was. She must have known who he was. She must have known that he would accept her. She knew her sin, I'm sure about it. But she must have known that she could approach him and he wouldn't reject her. And that is the basis of our forgiveness. I just love it that Jesus wasn't disgusted with the sinners. He was there with the sinners. He was the friend of sinners. He was more concerned about the heart of the Pharisee, the one who pointed the finger, the one who accused others of their sinfulness. But yet he loved the sinner without loving their sin. So. Um, First of all, I'm going to take us right back to the beginning of forgiveness. And I know most of us have experienced this, but I think it's really important when people are coming to faith, when people will have made that first step, that they realize and that we help them see that they need to be forgiven. I think sometimes people think, well, I'm not that bad. You know, I've done good things. I've helped people. I'm not that bad. But we need to make sure that they have known that initial repentance and forgiveness and that Christianity isn't just agreeing with certain things and like thinking you're nice people or yeah I agree with what Jesus did he was a good person or even certain beliefs that Christianity we become a Christian by repenting so first of all why do we need <laughs> just start it off for me and uh, hopefully it will work it worked before didn't it the red lights are on yes okay thanks Andrew <laughs> So why do we need forgiveness? So this is from Romans. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And it's, it's really important to know that we were still sinners. So what is sin? I had this um, Wayne Grudem's um, definition, if you like, of how he describes sin. Sin is any failure to conform to the moral law of God in acts, attitudes, or nature. I think when we were you know, thinking about those stories from the Bible, the acts were pretty obvious, weren't they? They were sinful acts, and there was no denying that they had sinned. And it's usually obvious things that we do, but it's also our attitudes. It can be anger jealousy, selfishness, the things that other people don't see, but also it's our very nature, the very nature of who we are without God. We were by nature children of wrath, and we, we are by nature we need God's forgiveness. So here we have the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, Jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And some of those things we may not have done. Other, I think the actual heart attitudes, maybe discord or jealousy or anger, 
or selfish ambition. Some of those things we can identify with, and I think everyone can identify with, and they were all acts of the flesh. They're all how we were before we came to God. Okay, and it requires a work of God. We can't change our own hearts. And this is, again, really important. It is an act of God. It's something that God does. It's not something that we do in this case. The regeneration, being born again, has to happen from God. So we see in John, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born, not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. And then Peter says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. And that is the work of God. And it was promised in Ezekiel in the Old Testament, I will give you a new heart Put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And to me, it's a mystery. We can't really understand how are we born again? How are we given a new heart? But it is totally a work of God. And we need to help people understand that it's not anything that we've done. God gives us a faith, but regeneration is totally him, it's not us. Repentance and forgiveness. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our conscience from acts that lead to death, so that we may serve the living God? In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. And I'm talking about this because I think it's really important to remember this. It's really important to remember that we came to God with nothing and he gave us everything. He forgave us everything. It's totally his, his work. And repentance, repentance and faith brings us to God. So God changes our hearts. Repentance and faith brings us to God and we find forgiveness. And then justification, which is a legal act of God. It's the courtroom drama. It's God thinks of our sins as forgiven and Christ's righteousness as belonging to us. So it's not just that he forgives us and we're made clean, but it's he forgives us and he gives us Christ's righteousness. It's when Jesus died on the cross, our sin was put on him and he was resurrected. His righteousness was put on us. So it's not a neutral thing. God looks at us and says, yeah, you're righteous. You're my children. I look at you and you're good. You're right in my sight because of my son. And God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And it is not from yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. And I just love the way that we're all the same. No matter what our background, no matter what our sinful past, before God we're all the same. No one can boast. 
It's by grace we've been saved. It's a gift of God. I just, I just love that so much. It means that none of us can say, oh, this is a sinner, and I'm so much better than you. But no, we were all sinners. By God's grace, we've been born again. So what next? What happens when we sin? So what happens when a Christian sins? You know, we've been born again. We've got salvation. We've got righteousness in Christ. What happens when we sin? Because we do sin. We sin on a daily basis, probably. But our legal standing before God isn't changed. There is no condemnation. We're still saved. We're still justified. Salvation is a free gift of God. Christ's blood paid for all our sin, our sins in the past, our sins in the present, our sins in the future have all been paid. We are still children of God. We keep our adoption. We still belong to him. But our fellowship with God is disrupted. You know, when you've hurt somebody, when you've done something wrong, things aren't quite the same. It needs to be sorted out again. We need to come to him and ask for forgiveness. We may know his fatherly, dis fatherly displeasure. And he does discipline us sometimes. We know his discipline. And sometimes we have to face the consequences of our actions. For some people, that might mean owning up to crimes. It might be going to prison. For some of us, it means owning up that we've done something wrong to somebody. I'm sorry, this is a little bit small. <laughs> God disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens everyone. He accepts as his son. So sometimes we are under God's discipline. We know that he's not, he's not pleased with what we've done, but we are his children. He loves us and he will forgive us. In 1 John 1, it says, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. So we do need to come to him in repentance and ask for forgiveness so that our relationship with him is restored. Sometimes we need help. Sometimes we need people to pray for us. Sometimes we need people to stand with us. And James says, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you ill? Let him call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of righteous person is powerful and effective. Now, if we ask God to forgive us, we are forgiven. It's not that we're not forgiven, but sometimes we can feel guilty. Sometimes we can feel bogged down and we feel like we're tripping up again and again. And sometimes this, can have a, this guilt can have a physical effect in our bodies. You know, this guilt can affect us in some way. And sometimes we need to confess 
our sins to a trusted friend. You know, doesn't not in front of the whole church. That's hardly ever necessary. But find someone that you love, someone you trust, someone you know thinks well of you, and confess confess your sins to them, and ask them to pray with you and stand with you. And the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective, and we can find freedom. There's more. And um, when we know the Lord's Prayer, so this is when we're moving on to our forgiveness of others. And I know this is a huge subject. It's not easy, but it's so necessary. I know sometimes you, when you, um, you listen to the television, you listen to the news, and you hear people, and you can understand why they're so angry. You can understand why they feel so hurt. So they feel hatred, and they, you know, somebody, maybe somebody's been killed. Somebody's committed a crime, and you can understand why they feel the way they do, that sort of burning hatred to see this other person punished. But you think they're just harming themselves. You know, when we hold resentment against somebody, I'm not saying it's easy, but we're the ones who suffer. I mean, I read somewhere that it's like drinking poison and hoping the other person will die. We're the ones who are suffering because of our resentment, our hatred, our unforgiveness. And the other person may be completely unaware that we feel that way. So we're actually harming ourselves. So Jesus taught us to pray, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And in Mark we see Jesus says, have faith in God. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to the mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be you. you it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. So we don't earn God's forgiveness by forgiving others. It's not that, yeah, you know, because I've forgiven, therefore God can forgive me. It's more that our, we are ineffective if we don't forgive others. If we hold resentment in our heart, then our prayers are ineffective sometimes. And we, and we find, you know, that, if the, that the things that we're asking for aren't happening, maybe because we haven't forgiven people. And Ephesians, Paul says, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ, just as in Christ, God forgave you. And most of us have done, a lot of us anyway, have been through the program of freedom in Christ. And I think this is, this is something you need to keep returning to. All of us need to keep returning to it on a regular basis. And I was reading the book, looking at the book this week, and the guy who wrote it, Anderson, Neil Anderson, Neil Anderson, said that it's something that he goes through every year. You know, that we had a book which was about the steps to freedom. And it takes you through all the things that might be blockages in your life, all the things that maybe you need to find forgiveness for all the things that are holding you back. And I think regularly we need to come to God. Regularly we need to consider our lives before him and, and ask him to deal with these things. And this is a, a, um, a quote from Freedom in Christ. 
Children of God are not primarily products of their past. They are primarily products of Christ's work on the cross and his resurrection. Nobody can fix our past, but we can be free from it. We can reevaluate our past from the perspective of who we are in Christ. God sets us free to forgive in our hearts those people who have offended us. And sometimes we think that by forgiving someone, we let them off the hook. But by not forgiving them, we stay hooked in the past. And I would just encourage everyone to have a look, if you've got the books, to have a look through your Freedom in Christ um, booklets again. Um, there are people who'd be willing to pray through the steps with you to find freedom. Again, if you feel like you need help, that you can't find freedom, that there will be people who would pray through the process with you. And anybody who hasn't done it, I'm sure there will be people who would go through the book with you, or at least to have another program that would for those who haven't done Freedom in Christ, because it is an amazing, an amazing program for really finding forgiveness, for really finding freedom, for really knowing who we are in Christ, really knowing that we're not condemned, we are forgiven, for really knowing that we're free from everything that would hold us back. And I just, another quote I want to bring, when we were at the Jubilee Plus conference, a couple of weeks ago, we were learning about mental health and mental health issues in the church and people who are suffering and how to help people. And one, one thing that somebody said really struck me, and it's not just true about people who have mental health problems, it's people who have bondages, people who have things that they're struggling with. And she said, prepare for breakthrough. You know, God can break through, God will break through, but be in it for the long haul. And I think as we seek to help new believers, as we seek to help new Christians or anybody who is struggling, we pray for breakthrough, but we're there for them. And for the long haul, sometimes it takes a long time to keep finding freedom, finding forgiveness, moving on. And we need to be in it together for the long haul. And justice is in the cross. I mean, we may not see justice in this world, but we will definitely see justice in the world. Um, in the new heavens and the new earth and I suppose there's three things that I, I want to um, just want to leave with us so to know that all of us should know that we are truly forgiven there is definitely no condemnation all of us should know that we're clean all of us should know that we can find freedom over certain things that bind us and also all of us can know that we are, some of us who need to know that we've forgiven, we need somebody to stand with us. So what I would really encourage anyone here, although we're talking about new believers or those who are becoming believers, I would just encourage anyone here who feels they need help with this, who feels they need help to overcome feelings of guilt or condemnation, who feels they need somebody to stand with them over particular sins that they find keep tripping them up or feels that they need somebody to help them through the process of forgiving others just to ask for help to come forward at the end you know several of us are here that can pray for you or find somebody that you would like to pray for you um, because we really want to see people moving on and not bound by anything amen